This is the one with more hasta, less vista. Mixed metaphors. Strange matter. Running without bending your arms. And the seventh doctor. It's called Time and the Rani. Here we go. Here we go. We're embarking on a voyage all through time and all through space. Counting Daleks, Thalent, Boot, and the Cybertronic race. Tontorans look like taters, and Silurians all have wonky scales. And the Doctor has a TARDIS, we're reviewing all his tales. Who back when? Reviewing all of who there is. Who back when? Subscribe and read on iTunes, please. Episode by episode, we're trudging down this temporal. Come join us on this odyssey. What other choice could there be than who back when? Who back when? Well, hello, beautiful, marvellous, stupendous, wonderful, just gorgeous people out there in podcast land. Welcome to another episode of Who Back When, a Doctor Who podcast. Or dog past. <laughs> I very nearly didn't say that. Oh, my God. Wow. <laughs> wakey, wakey, Leon. Come on. You had one line. <laughs> yeah, eggs on bakey. Yeah, spoiler alert. That was Leon. I Hello. am Jim. Hello, Hello podcast, podcast land. land. Hello, Leon. Hi. Introductions out the way. Very good. How are we all feeling? All, uh, yeah, suited, booted, belted, braced. I'm good for the Absolutely. car crash that is this serial. Yeah. I'm, I have no idea what you're talking about. I love this. This was great. <laughs> this was really high concept, high quality, good acting, no screaming. Great. <laughs> he's, Across he's the board, lying. we've got a winner. <laughs> Yes, I am fibbing. This was dog shit, but interesting dog shit. <laughs> interesting dog shit. Wow, that's the best kind, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I remember, actually, I think this was one of my absolute first tweets. It was a just a photo of bird shit. Like some, some bird had shat on something near me and had produced <laughs> a perfect, perfect yin-yang symbol. Oh, wow. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> and that, in many ways, encapsulates how I feel about this cereal. <laughs> Amazing stuff. Is there anything you want to get off your chest straight away, or shall we get the bite-sized chunk of who out of the way and then come back oh, and rip this one and new dude. one? Yeah, no, let's 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 be scow and then let's get into it because oh hang on, yeah. I'm gonna put on some gloves so I can take them off afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> Time for us to synopsize, lobify and summarize. So take a view and grab a brew and listen to this overview. This free for all we like to call a bite-sized chunk of who. Bite-sized chunk of who. Taking off his Colin Baker wig, Sylvester McCoy arises as the seventh Doctor in a debut serial. And where better to kick off than in a quarry? The Rani has returned to wreak havoc upon the universe through the most simplistic of plots. She's simply going to kidnap geniuses from across time and space, suck out their intelligence, implant it into a gigantic brain she's got lying around, and then use that brain to create a new element with which she'll detonate an asteroid that will create a supernova, which will transform her planet into a time manipulator which she can use to give dinosaurs a second chance. If only she had some sort of time machine that would enable her to do it more easily. Hmm. With a battery of garbled proverbs and a perpetually screaming companion, however, the Doctor might just be able to save the day. If only his memory were intact and the Rani didn't have an army of bat monsters. The local enslaved population isn't much help either. Imagine if David Bowie had a dragon era, then imagine he had lost the use of his arms and ran around a lot. Then imagine he made the crystal balls from Labyrinth into gigantic killer capsules. Then imagine him as a dragon person in a killer crystal ball capsule flying into a mountain. 
quite an image, isn't it? Where were we? Oh yes, with no help from the local population, it looks like our heroes will have to rely on that most elusive of gifts, the coinkydink. Beescow over. You are welcome. Aren't you just? (laughs) (laughs) You know what we've done? We've done it again, patting my and yourself on the back. We've made a shit cereal sound good. That's great. There's there's so many (laughs) cool things there. Yeah. (laughs) Why is it so bad? Why is it so bad? Well, there are perhaps a few questions we could ask in order to determine just that. (laughs) Wow. Okay. Let rip. Okay, I'm going to ask you a starter question. This is not necessarily why this is a bad cereal. But can you please tell me, is there anything more depressing than spending your birthday changing all of your door codes to be your new age? (laughs) I forget the exact reference that you're going for here, but I do remember something about a birth date being a passcode or something. Yeah. Um, is it? This is the Rani's birth or age? It's the Rani's birthday. Age, I'm pretty basically. sure. Her age. It's her age. Yeah. It's like nine hundred and whatever, fifteen, which is how old she is. So that begs quite a lot of questions. Why is her age her door pass or door key? How does Doc know how old she is in general, let alone this year? How does he know what year it is, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. Yeah. I mean, of all the things in this serial to have issues with, this is. Obviously, the highest and most important one. Starting You're light. quite right. I don't know. It's an interesting point. Do you think Time Lords can just look at each other and they know which version? Because they must bump into each other out of sync all the time. You know, the River Song wibbly wobbly stuff that they're always going in the wrong order. That must happen to Time Lords constantly. You, yeah, you would assume so. I think we have had enough cases of Time Lords bumping into each other across Doctor Who and not realizing that they are, in fact, Time Lords, for this to have been disproven. But I do remember at some point Uh, hearing or reading or seeing something, I don't know, about a a conceit of certain serials, possibly certain novelizations, that Time Lords at least recognize each other. So if if you're a Time Lord and you're in the presence of another Time Lord, you will automatically know that the two of you are Time Lords, you are Gallifreyans. But I think also that's bullshit. So it's meant to be a rule, but they've fucked it up on multiple occasions. Yeah. Okay, can I ask you another question? Okay. Could the Seventh Doctor look any more like Drew? <laughs> so you mentioned this before I yeah. sat down to watch any of this serial. Did I really? <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> I have no idea if I would have seen him of my own volition, but yeah, you're onto something. <laughs> yeah, I can't not see Drew. <laughs> That's all it is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Drew would be very flattered with that comparison. No, I would say so. Yeah. And now okay. everyone in podcast land can imagine Drew in a slightly more rounded fashion. Just picture Sylvester McCoy. There you go. A young Sylvester That's McCoy. Exactly. Super easy. Okay. Those are both Pant's introductory questions. Why don't you ping across a starting cue? I have a question. Again, is not about exposing how shit this serial is. But I was just intrigued. Is this the first time we have something before the opening credits? Has that happened before in Doctor Who at this point? Oh, a cold open, you mean? Yeah. That's a very good question. I'm not sure. I'm going to find out. <laughs> yeah, just, just I didn't right see now. anything about it in the TARDIS Wikia trivia, so I suspect we have had it before. I'm going to find out. Nope, Castro Valva. In the oh, classic okay. series, just four stories featured a cold opening. 1982's Castro Valva, the debut story of Peter Davison as the fifth Doctor, was the first. Does it name the other three? I'm curious if they're all regeneration stories now. The Five Doctors was the second one. Time okay. and the Rani. And yet to come, Remembrance of the Daleks. 
Okay, not the first, but it, it struck me anyway, because it obviously doesn't happen very often. So it's yeah. only the third time we've seen it. But I've seen yeah, two exactly. of those before. I, uh, yeah, I have yeah. Seen oh, apparently Sharda had a cold opening as well. I don't remember that at all. But yeah, awesome. Hmm. That's a super good point, because we didn't have that for a while. Now we've, yeah, we've got one. We're not going to get one the next time. Regeneration it is. I can see the value of adding a cold opening for that. Shall we talk regeneration? Shall we jump, shall we launch <laughs> into the seventh doctor? We can do that. I think we're brushing up against, you know, why this serial shit as well, which is good. Because we we need to get to that oh. at some point. <laughs> Are you suggesting it is shit because of Sly McCoy? Oh, no. Well, I'm talking just the regeneration scene. That, oh, I, mean, I see. <laughs> <laughs> I have not read details on why exactly Colin Baker didn't come back. Maybe he hasn't given exact answers or he's alluded to it in places. I'm not sure. But this serial is obviously poorer for the fact that we don't get Colin Baker doing a proper regeneration scene. Absolutely agree. Yes, completely agree. It is a shame not to have him there. Not necessarily because it ruins that scene, but because it sours it a little bit. Just knowing that he was so hard done by by the BBC to the yeah. point where he even refused to come back to shoot this regeneration, that sours it a little bit. It's a valiant effort. Sly McCoy wears a Colin Baker wig and dons his, you know, four Silver McCoy ill-fitting clothes. And yeah, he, they try. They try. They made the best of a bad situation. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's probably fair. But this was kind of like the first of many reasons that I didn't enjoy this serial was like, oh, yeah. it's like it's already on a back foot from the right right from the start. But yeah, yeah I don't so. have any massive issues with Sylvester McCoy at this point. That's that's pretty clear. I was enjoying him, I think, you know, against the material, as it were. Although early on, I think I think his like discombobulated persona, whatever you want to call it, performance. Yeah, that was pretty weak. I wasn't a fan of that. Yeah, th- there are some scenes where he is a little too farcical and certainly too theatrical for my liking. Yeah. There's quite a lot about this here. I know what you mean. That's very, very theatrical. But he in particular, when when he does farce or when he does slapstick, it just, I don't feel like he nails it. But it, that's that could also be direction. You know, that could be lots of stuff. It just doesn't oh, really, yeah, feels too kid showy. Well, maybe they were trying to go that route after complaints about the violence that happened maybe. during the Sixth Doctor run. I don't know. Yeah, let's make this more child-friendly. Let's have gigantic bats with eyes in the backs of their heads lick a lady's neck against her will. Yeah, let's have spinning orbs smash into mountains and explode and then leave skeletons behind. Yeah, yeah, you know, kid-friendly stuff. Kid-friendly stuff, yeah. <laughs> yeah, have a bunch of David Bowies wriggle around in an orgy pit and then have a few of them die and turn into skeletons. I'm just thinking out loud. Killer insects? Yeah, we haven't done that for a while, yeah? <laughs> Oh man, this cereal. Oh, what the hell? Like, some of my early notes, I literally have one thing that just goes, oh my god, what the fuck is going on? We had Monster Vision, we had this monster, this, what turns out to Which be I a love, Batman. You like the Monster Batman. Vision? Batman! Why did I <laughs> yes, think that? That's so good. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, I really liked Monster Vision. I'm a big fan of Monster Viz. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I wasn't on board with that. Sign then me it, up. he fires a net or something. That's the dumb. music, the I, yeah, just the first like five minutes yeah. of this. Because you you said you'd watched the first five minutes of this ages ago, and we were yes, we were briefly right. talking about it. You were so not on board, and that's I right. fully get it. I think the first five minutes are just horrendous. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. I'm glad that you brought up the music as well, because for at least like three out of four parts in this serial, the music just made me want to gargle bile. It was constantly misplaced. It was like really, yeah. really cheap 80s placeholder music. 
it was honestly like yeah, didn't no one no one watched the scene it's just like they had some generic yeah. loud intense 80s sim and someone just randomly distributed it across the serial <laughs> yeah i agree I completely agree. Yeah, that you're right. It was it was so bad that it took you out of it on multiple occasions. I wrote. Yeah, I think notes they improved it though. Towards the end, I, I feel like the music was actually pretty on point, or maybe it had just worn me down. It was Stockholm syndrome at that point. I was just like, yeah, I'm on board with this music. It's good. <laughs> I think maybe right at the end, I definitely like. I have an early note in episode four, so it carried through on every episode as far as I was concerned to say that the music mm-hmm. was still terrible. Maybe by the end of episode four, it was fine. I'm not quite sure. But yeah, that was a big, I, yeah, I, big negative. Uh, I think so. I, it's still, okay. yeah, it's definitely a negative in my book, but I think they kind of figured it out towards the end. One reason for that may also be that usually the reason I said that I felt that the music was really misplaced was that it was usually too exciting for the scene. Like they're just walking somewhere and the music was really yeah. bam, 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 really synthy, very heavy, very like, this is running music. But then in part four, they do a heck of a lot of running. And all of a sudden, the music is slightly more appropriate for what's on screen. It's just, it hasn't changed. So, uh, right. yeah, maybe maybe that's it. I was going to ask about this. So the music is shit. The production value is kind of all over the place. We need to talk about that. The episode itself is really, really, for lack of a better word, dumb. Is it so odd that it's difficult to rate the Seventh Doctor? Do we need to see a little bit more of the Seventh Doctor before we, you know, can legitimately rate him? Or do you already now have kind of a view of who he is and how do you feel about him? And how does he compare to Colin Baker, for example? So I know more about Sylvester McCoy as the Seventh Doctor. I grew up watching some of this. I don't remember oh it God, very this is well. Your doctor. Yeah, basically. The only episode I really remember I had like image images of in my head, I think is the next one. Really? Paradise Towers. Paradise Towers, yeah. Like, that's like the thing I actually remembered. Maybe some other ones I'll watch it and go, Oh my god, this thing. Oh yeah, I knew about that. Okay. So I kind of know I already like him. Like and I don't know if that is a little bit of bias and you know, rose tinted glasses sort of thing, but I'm pretty sure he, you know, he he does a good portrayal. I don't think this is representative of what he can do as the Seventh Doctor. And yeah, I would say we can't judge him on this serial because it is a pile of crap. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's true. And maybe the discombobulation as well is not exactly in his favor. It's like, it's yeah. Actually, you know what? Wait, hang on. I was going to say it's just like uh, Peter Capaldi, but the thing is, Peter Capaldi's first episode, he was super discombobulated. You know, he's running around, doesn't know who anyone is, doesn't know who he himself is until at the very end he gets like really dark and kind of sipping whiskey or whatever it is. And he's like, I get it. I'm this dude. But that was still enough to give you a good beat on this is the 12th Doctor. It might have been. But you know what? I remember not liking that at the time. On subsequent rewatches, interesting. I do really like it because I understand what well, he is like as an actor yeah. and what the 12th Doctor is all about. But yeah. I do remember, and I think there were lots of, not complaints, but a lot of, lot of voices saying, oh, what what's this grumpy Doctor all about? Oh no, this is going to be really bad. I think you're right, yeah. And the same thing happened with Colin Baker. You know, we had his first serial where he's strangling people, he's strangling his companion, and loads of people will not let that slide at all. And mm. I have no issue with them taking that view, that's for sure. But we that have fair. voiced this many times. We've been a little bit more forgiving about that, partly because we think Colin Baker's a dude, but <laughs> I don't know. Maybe the same thing <laughs> he's applies a total here. Dude you know? <laughs> If you've had a rough regeneration and you don't really know whom to strangle and whom not to strangle, come on. You'd want me to give you a break, right? (laughs) So, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Okay, that is fair. So maybe we should just reserve judgment on the seventh Doctor until we see a little bit more of him. 
But even so, as just a first taster of him, as long as it doesn't remain that farcical, I'm kind of on board. If it does, I may need to check out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think he, what I kind of think about him, and we know this from the episode was recently where Ace came back. Like, I'm sure she talked to him and she calls him the professor. Like, that was the relationship. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. He, yeah. he has that. And I'm pretty sure that does become part of his character. I'm not quite sure exactly, but okay. it, it is this more wise, all-knowing person, which we don't really have here. I think I think he's meant to be more of a thinking doctor, but I don't know. Only time will tell. My memory doesn't exist really for this. I'm piecing it together a little bit. <laughs> We had an audiobook with him quite recently. It was part of a trilogy. It was a trilogy, interestingly, where they have the fifth, sixth, and the seventh Doctor each has one audiobook. Can't remember which one his one was. Reaping, Gathering, one of those. He was a very clever, very cerebral, very sardonic kind of guy. Mm. And I could absolutely get on board with that. If that's what happens, count me in. But Big Finish also has kind of a track record of going the Chris Nolan route and giving Doctors a slightly grittier spin. So, yeah, I I don't know. I don't know. More to follow podcast land. Yeah. I mean, I think I would just, I would lean into, I'm now thinking like Davison's first serial, wasn't he in like a box for half of it? And then was not a great performance He was in like a sleeping Regeneration (laughs) thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think of the ones I've seen, only Tom Baker, possibly, we were at the end of that going, oh yeah, Tom Baker's here. Man, this is great. Yeah, this freaking guy. <laughs> <laughs> I think everyone Pepe else is also been... really, really... Sorry. Yeah? Okay. Yeah, I was just saying, I think yeah, but... everyone else that I ever seen, so five, six, and now seven, it's maybe, yeah, yeah okay, kind of get what's going on here, but maybe we'll wait till the next one to find out who they really are. Yeah, that's, that is a fair point. Okay, yeah. so... Too soon to say something about Doc. How do you feel about Mel, though? Oh, my God. She needs to stop screaming. you were so on board before. <laughs> As was I, I. Yeah? You know what? I still, I still like her more than I ever thought I would do. I think there is, there's a pluckiness, and okay. I hope that's not a weird word to use, but she, they have, there's a very gung-ho attitude to her, and she's Definitely, very willing yeah. to do stuff. She's much more capable companion because because we kind of fast forwarded the relationship. We never saw her meeting the doctor and being confused about everything. In fact, yeah, she makes a comment to say that she knows all about regeneration. As a, a kind one, of yeah, like, one of my introductory questions is how does Mel know about regeneration? What? Yeah. When? How did she ever know? She has no right to know about that. <laughs> Well, it's just they've given themselves the biggest hand wave playbook ever because we don't know anything about her previous relationship with the doctor. We don't know how long they were traveling together. We don't know the adventures they've had. We don't know responsibilities she's been given. Don't know all the information she's been given. So every now and again, they just go, oh, yes, I know about regeneration. And they don't have to explain anything. It's just really cheap. She's also referred to as a computer expert. Yeah. Did we know this about her before? I don't recall that being mentioned. No. I remember her just having perfect recall. Total recall. But otherwise, I yeah, thought which she was just fitness. Yeah, fitness, a, memory, a good memory. Those came up before, that's for sure. Yeah. They, while we're on the sort of subject, they did make the reference back to carrot juice, which I kind of liked. Um, nice. Yes. Agreed. Which was the final words of the sixth Doctor, unfortunately, but at least it yeah. gets a throw in. They do They do make a reference back to her memory Yeah, when the Rani is playing her, which, by the way, yeesh, what is that about? Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, we'll come back to that, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, put a pin in that. Terrible subplot. But aside from that, I don't yeah, really understand. I... You say she's very gung-ho and very capable, but should she be gung-ho and is she really very capable? She does that one thing when she's suddenly outed as a computer expert. I didn't know that. <laughs> and she disarms the exploding bangle. Oh, yeah. But aside from that, every time that she gung holes into any scene, it just ends with her immediately screaming and either running away or screaming and getting captured or just screaming and being rescued. She doesn't strike me as particularly capable in this one. They've really undone her character, I feel. That's that's probably fair. Like, I think maybe I'm giving her a lot of credit for just trying stuff. And, oh, and obviously this is just entirely the writing. This has nothing to do with the actress in this... Bonnie Langford. In this partic- particular instance, because they just, yeah, they keep writing this character into stupid situations. Terror of the, the Vervoids? Yeah, whatever it was called. There she was like constantly, proactively running into danger and trying to solve problems. Yeah. I think some of the dialogue probably works better for her. Like, considering this is only like the third serial we've seen her in, compared to a normal companion in their third serial like she yeah she's allowed to talk about things that other companions can't talk about at this time and i'm sure she argues around situations the scene where her and doc are trying to work out if each other is who they say they are sort of thing like i think she did a good job there doc did a good job that was quite a nice scene actually maybe there's not much else though maybe you're right maybe we then get to rely on doc having got more control of himself and he works through the rest of it i can't quite recall to be honest well as, as soon as he is more with it she is always captured and always in peril she has been reduced from a John McClane character with perfect recall to just your stereotypical damsel in distress, I think. I think you might be right. The Batman lick that you mentioned earlier obviously happens and she gets captured. When Doc gets captured, Doc escapes himself, basically. Like, he... He basically saves the day by being too chatty. Is that right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He's just a little bit too annoying. (laughs) This this is one of... I don't even know if I can fill this list. I'm going to say probably four things that happen in the serial that are completely unexplained. So he is captured. There's no way out for him. Mel just goes, yeah, but the thing that you haven't counted on is his personality. <laughs> yeah. Something like that. And that is enough to make the brain schizophrenic. Okay. Or is, he was just too distracting for... So he wasn't helping towards the problem, like this gestalt mind thing. He, was, he wasn't doing his job, and then he was disrupting all the others from trying to do their job. And then does the Rani then just kind of like pull him out and then in a comedic kerfuffle, she gets pushed into the box instead? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, exactly. She pulls him out and says, I'm paraphrasing, damn you, doctor, you turned my brain schizophrenic. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. The whole brain... By the way, just like reducing that one voice means it no longer suffers from schizophrenia. I'm also not sure this is schizophrenia. (laughs) But still, if that's one thing that doesn't really add up for me, here's another thing that doesn't add up for me. When and how was the prisoner exchange negotiated? When we're trying to exchange mail for some thing that they stole, right? Some gadget, yeah. Yeah. How do they know to meet up and, you know, exchange mail for this gadget? I do not recall, to be honest. Maybe there was a carrier pigeon involved? (laughs) I don't think that is outlined in the serial. That's number two. I'm going to see if I can hit four. Number three. Okay. 
How does the Rani escape from her pod? Yeah, I wasn't sure about that one. She does have a lot of lackeys around, all the Batmen. Yeah, but we never get to see it. I rewound it because I didn't I didn't remember, couldn't find anything. She looks at Baeus. Baeus walks past and she goes, hey, let me out. And he's like, no. And then he walks away. Cut to, she's out of the pod. You're right. I do remember yeah. having that brief thought. I didn't write anything down because... I don't know, something else was happening. And it was odd. I, I assumed I hadn't picked up on him blanking her. I assumed, oh, he must not have blanked her. He must have decided to do it. But yeah. you rewound and he definitely just goes, ah, fuck you. Yeah. He's like, no, <laughs> I don't, I don't want to do that. And then he walks off. Wow. And then we have a scene with Doc and Mel. And then all, they walk up, they find the brain and whatever else. And then all of a sudden, boom, the Ronnie is in there with them. Well, how did you... How, no, pretty sure we've skipped a step here. Okay, we're now, we're now up to three. Here's number four. Although this isn't... This, oh, I don't think that this really counts. But was taunting the Rani really the only way to trigger the explosion at the end? Say that again. So you know they take all the bangles off the David Bowies. Yeah. And then they put the bangles around the brain. By the way, yeah. I just kind of want to point out that brain is the only one of its species. So killing it is genocide. And I believe the penalty for that is pretty severe. <laughs> so Apparently okay. not, no. <laughs> they put all the bangles around the brain. And then instead of just pulling one of the wires that Mel has put in place, which would, I think, be the easiest thing, like just attach a string to it, run out the room, yank on the string. Yeah. Instead of doing that, Sly McCoy shows up in front of the Rani and goes, hey, I beat you. And, th- and then the Rani presses a couple of buttons to kill all of the David Bowies, thus detonating the brain. You know what? Doesn't I didn't connect that. Like a good idea. Okay. Sorry? I, d- I hadn't connected what was happening there. I was very confused at this point. I think, what the hell was going on? Like, a, the rocket gets fired, and then the base blew up, and I thought she had launched the rocket. Or, because the countdown gets stopped. And then, yeah. and then there's an explosion, and then the countdown carries on, and then the rocket goes, or something. Wait, that's a I don't super know. good point. Why does the countdown start back up again? I assumed that was what the Rania did, which is why I was confused about the explosions. But I think you're right. I think she explodes all the things. Maybe that then causes the brain to go, oh, wait, two, two, one, boom. So is there now just a, a rocket, a missile loaded with this brand new mega dangerous compound whizzing through space? At some point, uh, it's going to collide yes, with no. something. That doesn't seem like a good idea. No, I guess Doc has a time machine and a space machine. Yeah, but could Doc go doesn't give a fuck. Slurp it up. He's not going to do no, it. doesn't seem to. It. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> But it's also, like, we don't have to give a fuck. It's not going to randomly turn up in a serial that, oops, it it blew up the Earth. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great, though? Wouldn't it be it fantastic would. if it doesn't even have to blow up the Earth? It can be the thing that Deus Ex Machina's a happy ending three or four serials from now. Like, we don't know what's, do- what's <laughs> happening. The Thanos of that episode or serial is just, like, maniacally laughing at the end. It's like, oh, 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 I beat you. Here's my secret space base. And then all of a sudden, the missile from this serial crashes into it, destroys it. Poof. Done. I guess you beat me today, <laughs> but I'll be back. Yeah. The very, very oh, Acme-style ending. I like it. Yes. Oh, I would be massively <laughs> bored. Uh, I will submit a different story for you. Okay. So it, it happens to be in the same time frame as prehistoric Earth, and it I don't know how about this is going to happen. Yeah, it collides with the Earth causes an explosion that wipes out the dinosaurs 
but it's just okay. in front of the rocket that Adric is on, and he just gets sent back out into space, and he doesn't blow up at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wait, have I uh, just okay. accidentally saved Adric? Why? No. Why did I want? You did that? save Adric. Okay. I don't know. How do you feel about the Ronnie? And how do you feel about comparing the Ronnie here to Mark of the Ronnie? Well, I can't say I remember all the details of Mark of the Ronnie to do a fair comparison. I think we need to talk about her impersonating Mel, though, because that is a big part of this serial and that the performance okay. of the Ronnie. Kick us off, man. <laughs> I would have to say, <laughs> what the fuck? Why? Yeah, that, that, that is a good question. Why indeed? Why try and be a person that the doctor remembers when you've just wiped the doctor's memory? Yeah. I've got that's a that's a very good question. Something has just dawned on me that also kind of negates that. Couldn't she just pop the doc in one of those pods from the get-go and then have doc's brain power inside the mega brain solve whatever problem it is that she's got doc solving, you know, for her. The reason she's dressed up as Mel is so that she can get doc to fix a machine. I don't know. I didn't really understand what he was meant to be doing, but I assumed he was basically completing the machine that links all the brains together to go into the big brain. Oh, I see. Okay, yeah. All right, that makes sense, I suppose. That does make sense. But that's I agree, though. Probably she should not be more. dressing up as Mel. Why does she even no. have a Mel costume? How does she even know? Oh, no, she does know what Mel's wearing because they've just been inside the TARDIS. How did they get inside the TARDIS? How does she pull the TARDIS out of wherever, <laughs> Doc gets killed, and they can just wander into the TARDIS? I know she's a Time Lord, but is this just okay? This could just happen? Is this what the Master could do at any point? Well, why doesn't she the master does do have this a TARDIS remote control. So th- the very little research I did for this one was I listened to our review of Mark of the Rani <laughs> to right. prepare for this. That's all I did. And watched this series, obviously. And in that one, we do discuss the fact that she has a TARDIS remote control. So very possibly she has, she is the one who has just brought the TARDIS here and... I'm assuming, I hadn't even considered that she's the one who's sort of killed the doctor, but I'm assuming that, yeah, she has to, because otherwise, what are they going to do? They can't constantly shoot Sly Sly McCoy from behind wearing that wig. They're going to have to (laughs) regenerate him. So did he die in the crash? Did she kill him? I don't know. This cold open, like the TARDIS is being shot at by lasers. That's the CGI we are presented with. It's flying in space, being shot, and then suddenly there are... I guess there were mini explosions in the TARDIS room and docks on the floor. Okay, yeah. And the only context we have is that then they turn up on the planet and that's all the Rani's doing. So I assumed all of that was the Rani, but I don't understand I, I think you're probably what the right, fuck though, was yeah. happening. Yeah. No, I think you're probably right. I have to confess, I have not watched parts one and two for about two weeks because we were meant to record <laughs> this like two weeks ago. Yeah. And then... <laughs> got covid and it was so bad that i didn't want to rewatch parts one and two so uh, yeah i t- legitimately fair. forgot about that <laughs> yeah so i suppose she does that that seems a bit risky so she's firing lasers at the doctor i don't know that's yeah, what it looks like done. but yeah and how okay. how is she doing that <laughs> was she significantly or sufficiently maniacal for your liking she did the cliche of having everyone stand around while she tells them what her plan is so she ticked that box of Shitty evil yep. villain. I don't and know. She does have an insane plan. It's insane. Yeah, she's quite happy to kill people. She's she's throwing all the Batman under the bus. Yeah, she's pretty evil. She's she's very clearly portrayed. Not portrayed. What's the word? 
painted as being a very evil character. Certainly, yeah. Absolutely. She wants to not necessarily take over the universe, but sort of. She wants to rewrite the universe and history and yada, 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 starting with the Earth just to spite the Doctor. Yeah. I think, yeah, I her motivation works well enough. Sorry? I was say, yeah, her motivations are super, super evil. Some of her actions are super, super evil. The whole how it all comes together and the performance with this you know, pretending to be Mal and stuff. Maybe not quite in the same league, I'm not sure. I, yeah. You know what I think? I think we need an incompetent master here. <laughs> in Mark of the Rani, she was in the same serial as the master, and the master just wasn't, he was underwhelming, because they kept putting all the good stuff in her corner. But we need someone clever for her to have evil bands with. And here, we never see that, because her companion is a bat... And who doesn't really, it's not even, a, she doesn't have a companion. The master was her companion in Mark of the Rani. Here she just yeah. has a lackey and, and a bunch of servants. And it's not good enough. And she doesn't have the evil bands with Doc for long enough in the serial. Because most of the serial she's pretending to be Mel, which does not work. Yeah. I guess, I think you're right. I think when she is on her own doing this kind of thing, she's more like a diluted version of the master. Because she's playing yeah. the antagonizing dot card, like you say, and she's being spiteful. Yeah, but then if she had she's not playing dress up. The... <laughs> yeah, but let's say, let's say that she hadn't done the dress up routine. If she hadn't pretended to be Mel, she just figured everything out. Her plot is evil enough to be a master plot. That's, that's a pretty badass plot. It's dumb as hell because just use your time machine and <laughs> stop that, yes. you know, prod Adric out of the way and the dinosaurs will survive. You're fine. But yeah, anyway. Is this the yeah. planet that she was referring okay. to in Mark of the Rani, by the way? She was talking about, oh, I have an empire. I am the empress of something. That must be this planet. Oh, you're right. I totally forgot about that. Yeah, presumably. I assume so. It's hard to call this an empire, I think. This has more people of different species than most things that we see in Classic Who, to be fair. I mean, both species, the bats and the yeah. David Bowies. The bats are from a different planet. At the end of this oh, serial, planet. the oh, bats okay. are heading off to their bat planet in her TARDIS. In, in the Batmobile. Going to the in Batcave. The- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in the Batmobile. By the way, holy smokes, the bats now have a TARDIS. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, okay. Let's, not, let's talk about these, these okay. bat people a little bit. Yes. Rats. First of all. Tetraps? Tetraps. Okay. Yeah. I'm still going to call them bat people. I'm sorry, I'm mean. The first point I want to make is they made like 10 of these outfits. I know. It's so impressive. What the fuck? Are they not amazing outfits? They look so good. They're annoyingly bad, but on a high production level. (laughs) They look ridiculous, but the production of them seems like worlds apart from what we've had in Classic Who before. From everything else. Meanwhile, the David Bowies are wearing hats that might be hair, but they're probably hats because they're underneath (laughs) the hair. But then doesn't that make it hair? Like, what, what... yeah, those butt yes. rats are all out of control. So good, amazing. And the design of them—it's just—it's just the execution. Like you can tell that it's a, it's a higher quality. Like they're not prosthetics. What are they? I don't know. Maybe they, you do call them prosthetics. But like the rubber head bit of it is yeah. obviously really high quality, but it's been done a bit poorly. But the design is really good as well. It's re- it's so weird. Like they have like, like the mouth eyes. moves, but not really in line with when it speaks. Yeah. The eye moves, eye, the wobbling just, eye. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, but it also looks like it's just kind of, I don't know, driven by how quickly the p- actor has turned their head or something. I don't know. It's just not a natural yeah. looking thing. 
But the fact that they like the design of it, they have four eyes. They have one at the front on on the, each side and one at the back, and they do yeah. look very bat-like. Like the design of they it do, is amazing. Yeah. And I imagine that yeah. Monster Viz, when we get to see in Monster Viz, I imagine that that is overlaid four different views. They're not really three sixty, but there there are four different views that are just overlapping at any given point because they are looking forwards and backwards and to either sides at any given point in time. Oh, yeah, of course. You know, I didn't, didn't really think about that. Watching, I was too pissed off with the Monster Vision. I hate this kind of point of view thing. I thought you oh. were on the same page with me. Damn it. <laughs> Sometimes I really hate Monster Viz, but right now I'm in a Monster Viz kind of mood. Thank you, Doc. Very fickle. <laughs> the, the Batman, they're also, they're such an oddity because they are beasts. They live in a cave, they eat some weird Sludge. slop that the Bowies just pour into a trough, and that's enough to distract them. They're like, I'm going to yeah. eat all this shit. But then at the same time, they're like perfectly sentient, self-aware, they are eloquent, they speak English, they're very clever. They manage to kidnap the Rani and go, well, this is great, you can help us with our science experiments. Wait, you were eating out of a trough a moment ago. I know. <laughs> Why do you need, what kind of science experiments are we talking about here? <laughs> are we going to have a I mean, post-credit sequence where the Rani is like, she's designing the optimal trough? <laughs> <laughs> I think, I mean, this is the thing, is it's like, my original assumption was that there was just one of them, for some reason, was sentient and able to talk. And to start with, I thought, whatever was down in the pit where they were being fed sludge was a totally different creature. And I thought it was just one of them, it was going to be another monster was going to appear. And then it turns out to be more of the same species. And then it turns out they're all basically as sentient and uh, as evolved of each other. So none of it made any sense whatsoever. No, none Um, at all. (laughs) And... I don't know, it, was it meant to be one of these, well, who's the real monster here? They were being treated like oh, yeah. animals, but really they shouldn't have been because they're, they're basically people. And the real monster yeah. is obviously the Rani. But yeah, none of that came across. I'm not, I'm not going to put all of that as positive things for this cereal. This cereal basically just said, ah, here's some monsters, they're eating sludge. Oh, wait, they can also walk around and, and talk and fire guns and stuff. <laughs> no, that's just, what the fuck? <laughs> like, there's there's none of them can kind guns. of going, we're being treated like shit. There's none of, none of this kind of repressed species about them. Yeah. Like, they're just lackeys who are also treated like dogs. I don't know. It was weird. Yeah. The David Bowies, they are slightly different in that regard. Because they are... Yeah. It, they're more openly sentient and self-aware. They're just like a regular species that doesn't bend at the elbow. And <laughs> and they are willingly subjugated because they're just fearful of the consequences, I guess. Yeah. It's an odd thing. Wait. The fact that they have these weird pleasure pits, those that orgy I know. pits. Where yeah, the fuck no, did well, that come from? <laughs> oh, out of nowhere, dude. I mean... So good. Did you not... <laughs> that blew my mind. In the beginning, I was like, well, are there only four locations on the entire planet? Are they the resident species? Are they the local species? How come there are only four of them left or whatever? And then we get to see, no, they have a whole society. They can just go about their lives. They are, that's what I mean by happily subjugated. I'm not saying, oh, well, really, if anyone, because I realize now that that can absolutely be misread as, you know, that horrible right-wing argument of, yeah, but if slaves didn't like to be slaves, they would have just revolted. I'm not making that, that, that right-wing argument that's not what i'm saying i'm saying in this serial they are set up as yeah we don't have everything but we do have our pleasure pit (laughs) 
And so yeah. if we can, as long as we follow orders, we can still hang out in, in the orgy disco. And that's enough for us. We have no greater ambition in some way, weird way. And it's really I honestly complex didn't... as societies go. Yeah, this is always the frustrating thing with a lot of these serials is there's, there's always a surface level of detail given to something that's like hugely complicated and you need to unpack it and treat it with some reverence Absolutely. as well if, if you want to yeah. tackle this as a topic. But they don't. They just shove people in a pleasure pit and then have killer killer insects and disco balls yeah. with spikes around the edges and go, yep, yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's definitely a missed opportunity because they do, you're right, because they hint at it, but they don't go into any depth. Because I'm pretty sure that one of the dudes, Icona, Icona Matata, he goes <laughs> in there with Doc and meets someone else, I can't remember their name, and that someone else, they have a quick chat, and he's like, yeah, but you're my brother. Wait, 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 wait. There's a family dynamic here. Your brothers, one of you is a rebel and doesn't agree with the subjugation, and the other one's like, yeah, but you shouldn't, I've been told not to talk to you by our father, and yada, yada, yada. You're coming here, you're you're disturbing my orgy time, I'm in the disco right now, I'm not on board. There's so much to explore there, and we do not get a single bit of it. Yeah. I mean, likewise, I mean, we moved on from the Bat People, but I think likewise with them, like, there is a hint of the lead Batman. I don't know if he ever gets named. I, no, I think he does get named. I think the Rani shouts at him quite frequently. I don't remember his name either. But whoever, uh, lead Batman. <laughs> yeah, Igor. Yeah. yeah. Igor overhears, you know, the planet they're on is going to get destroyed, and that's why they end up on the Rani's TARDIS, because they know how to escape. But there are a couple of points where Igor also suggested the Rani put herself into the machine. Like, I really felt like it was trying to go the direction of they're going to overthrow the Rani. There's going to be some kind of rebellion from them. Oh, like, really? they're, they're not treated well either. You know, there are two of not, groups no. of people here that are under oppression by the Rani. And like, either of those, you could have just taken one and expanded it. You didn't have to have both of them. But we've got two here. They're both surface level in detail. They're both really complicated relationships yeah. that if you wanted to, you could really unpack and go to town with it. But what we get is just a mishmash of shit <laughs> for want of a better phrase you know it's just i don't know like you, you're talking about this brother guy that pops up out of nowhere and then immediately dies doesn't he doesn't he just get killed know, by immediately a killer insect? yeah and it's not like Ikona matata just goes i just lost my brother this is really incredibly traumatizing for me it's just well what are we gonna do now yeah let's, let's which beat the ronnie oh, it's so frustrating doing that, man. yeah it's so frustrating because Literally earlier on in this serial, we get, I forget her name, we were looking her up before we started, but there's basically the two that are ruling this species, there's a guy and a woman, so the woman sees the skeleton outside and it turns out it's her daughter, and they actually have quite a nicely done scene, I thought, of her showing her loss and grief and akuma matata is there as well and he tells her that it's her daughter that died and it that was delivered really well the little scene is allowed to dwell on this um you really feel the sense of loss she then is distraught and has to go and tell her husband that their daughter's been killed like yes exactly that was done very very well in this serial it's like a plus point of this serial and then you're right then we get the thing with the brother and it's just oh well what next it's just such different treatment i'm now wondering if that dude is not icona matata's brother but in fact 
the brother of the woman who got skeletoned, because he says something like, father has decreed that we can't speak to you. And she was the woman who gets murdered in the beginning, who gets turned into a skeleton. She's she's the daughter of Vera Ventham, something Ventham. Benedict Cumberbatch's mum, we looked her up before. Wanda Ventham, Um, yes. Wanda, thank you. Wanda Ventham. She's the daughter of, of, of Sherlock's mom and Bayus. So those two are together. Bayus is the lead David Bowie. So I suspect that the guy in the orgy disco is actually also Benedict Cumberbatch's brother. <laughs> <laughs> right, yes. When, when the, out, the real world <laughs> mixes in with the, the serial world. Okay. This yeah. makes... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But okay, even if he's not his actual brother, like he still dies in front of them. He's still he was important enough for them to have that discussion where they obviously have some kind of relationship where the dude's saying, yeah. "Oh, I'm not allowed to talk to you." Exactly. I don't know. Yeah, it was weird. The whole setup of that was weird. The whole super weird scene was weird. Ugh. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I was trying to think of what else to say about those, about the pleasure pits, for example. The weird fact that they have that disco ball full of killer insects. The weird fact that Batman can just show up and say, here, put on this bangle. Why should we do that? Because it will kill you. Maybe I won't put on this bangle then, buddy. And yeah, I don't know. I don't don't understand why why is this a two-stage setup as well? Why is stage one fit disco ball with killer insects? Stage two, if that hasn't repressed them enough, put bangles around their ankles. Like just yeah. do the bangle thing. Also, so the killer killer insects fly out of the disco ball. They kill a few orgy people and they fly around, fly out, fly away. Do you know what's really difficult to catch and put back in a disco ball? <laughs> killer insects. So yeah. now you just have. That's not. Hey, every time that you misbehave, I'm gonna let let loose the killer insects because you do that once, and then you've got killer insects everywhere. It's not. You know, oh, they kill yeah. a few David Bowies and then they get stuck to flypaper. You now have a killer insect problem, is what I'm trying to say. It's fair. Maybe they're only killer to the dragon people. Who knows? Yeah, but then the you lose all the dragon people. Oh, yeah. The, no, yeah. The You're right. The bangle is is a way more controlled thing. And it, it seems... Exactly. I presume you could explode one individually. You don't have to do them all at once as well. So it's yeah. like, you pissed me off. Does it? Yeah. Yeah, there you go. You make an example of... Like, this is just standard evil genius practice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I actually would like to get your view on just the money spent on this serial. The production oh. in this serial. And oh, wow. whether you gonna, think no, uh, it was well placed. Because we have some incredible things in this. Yeah. So we've we've noted the Batman costumes, of which there were, I think, at least nine, possibly more. Yeah. Nine is a very specific number. <laughs> they were like, all marching were about out. ten of them. It's like, there are at least nine of them. I love <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> they were all marching down the ramp at one point, And it was like, yeah, you're wait, right. these... These are all people in costumes. This isn't yeah. just some trick. This is just these are legitimately they made all those costumes. I was I was Absolutely, blown away. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's that. There's the opening credit sequence, and we've got new music for it as well, which is now I guess the new music for this season. Which we can we can come back to that. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Oh yeah, you're right. We should. We've got the, the brain CGI in general. I think added. Yeah, we got the brain thing. Yeah. We've got 
quite a few sets. Some pretty cool sets. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Great sets. Some terrible ones. Like the Leisure Pit. I am pretty sure they finished that half an hour before recording and then someone just slapped it in white paint. Oh, really? <laughs> it just I loved it looked the like pit. it just looked like someone's just plonked a load of, you know, wooden pallets against the side of a wall and it's got, oh wait, yeah. This looks vaguely futuristic. Quick, paint it white. There we go. Well, roll cameras. <laughs> I really liked the pleasure pits. It, it, they were so bright, and I'm pretty sure there was some sort of music playing in there as well, that it felt very Logan's runny. It felt like that future, you know, young yeah. and pretty, yeah. and you're probably like constantly orgasming. It's great. Like, life is good. But then, and then the disco ball with the space flies. At this point, we don't know that it contains space flies, but we know there's a disco ball. And we know it's new because, and that it's definitely going to factor in because everyone keeps talking about this disco ball. That makes it look like a BDSM club. But then in (laughs) every niche, everyone's just in a hammock. This is the best place ever. Anyway, point is, I really like that set. So we have that. We also have quite a lot of actors. Yeah, special effects, I guess. Because the other big big effect we have is these bubble things. The trip. Oh, yes. You're right. You get put in a bubble, you're launched across into a mountain. Yeah, which which looks incredible. I liked the effect. I hated yeah. that it was there. I don't know. Every time it happened, I was just oh, like, really? what the fuck? I loved it. It was so crazy. It was crazy. I don't know. Maybe in retrospect, it, I do like it. I'm not sure. I think the thing that just, just stuck with me is when Mel gets put into a bubble. A, she does not stop screaming. And yeah, fuck me. No. <laughs> That was excruciating. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm not on board with that either. But also, it was just ridiculous that I think we'd seen two at this point. One one with someone in and one maybe they just they triggered and it flew off without someone in. But it immediately yeah, went straight to the mountain and exploded. And then, of course, when Mel yeah. gets in one, oh, no, it misses it the misses. mountain and just lands in a puddle lands in water but that was amazing i wish i agree with you i wish she weren't screaming while that happened but it's so cool that oh apparently the trigger mechanism doesn't work on water or whatever and then david bowie needs to show up ikona matata needs to show up and disarm it in some weird way i loved that two bits fair enough i wasn't anyway i haven't answered your question yet i have no idea how much does this got how much does a doctor who serial usually cost I don't know. I don't have a number, to be honest. I'm oh, not you don't asking. Have a number. No, oh, no, no, no. I'm not. I'm not guessing you. Getting you to guess how much <laughs> it cost. I'm just thinking. It seems like a lot of money was spent on it, and Definitely. I'm not convinced it was worth it. The thing that struck me was obviously we've got CGI stuff happening, which we generally didn't get before, and we've got. Oh, the miniature overlays, I thought, were incredibly well done as well. So they made the entrance way with the ramp and the, yeah. the big... I don't know. what They almost look like gargoyles, like huge elongated exactly. gargoyles. There's like a drawbridge thing with... Yeah, yeah, you're right, with gargoyles. That's a very good way of putting it, yeah. And that set um, extension above it, which is like a castle. Yeah. and that, Very nice. That was always very... You could tell it was a, a model superimposed, but it, you know, for 1987, that it's looked great. freaking amazing. Unfortunately, the Rani's interior of the TARDIS suffered the same fate. She was, I think, just on a green screen and her TARDIS interior was a miniature. Do you mean at the very end? It's when she goes off to get a piece of orange plastic and she turns it into a rectangle. Is that in her TARDIS? You're right. You're so right. I forgot about that. She goes And and at the end as well. Table saw or something. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's so weird. I forgot about that. Interesting. I really miss her TARDIS. Because that's something that definitely stood out in 
to be honest, I don't. I only vaguely remember this from the serial, but this is something that stood out from our review of Mark of the Rani, how utterly enamored we were with her TARDIS, where it had the little dinosaur oh. embryos stacked around the place. It You compared right, it to an altar. Yeah. like there, It had a stony altar quality to it. Oh, that was in her stunning. TARDIS? Oh, wow. That was in okay. her TARDIS. And in the middle, instead of having just the regular, whatever it's called, that column in the middle of the console, you know, the thing that just pow, wow, yeah, wow, the, up and down, yep. it had a spinny kind of hula hoop effect that looked super yes, futuristic. I remember. I was getting Superman vibes for some reason. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So why don't we get to see that? They built that set. <laughs> they have those props. Yeah, they're very true. I guess they must have trashed it or something. Or that was seen as... Maybe her interior is meant to change every time she does a different plot. <laughs> a maybe. different scheme. And this one yeah, just maybe. needed the laser saw in the middle. You know, that was the most practical thing to have on this expedition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, she does get a lair, though, and her lair looks spectacular. She's definitely got a thing with pyramids, because that's what oh, that's her true. TARDIS looks like as well. Oh, yeah, that is true. That's true. I, I didn't do think not, about that. don't know, actually, if they are the same prop. Does her TARDIS look exact? No, because her TARDIS is very I don't mirror. Think so. it's, yeah. And it's much bigger as well. Yeah. I'm looking. I'm, I'm just Googling the Rani TARDIS. Yeah, there it is. Oh, so if you Google the Rani TARDIS, then you get to see mostly the stunning TARDIS from the, from, you know... Mark of the Rani. Yeah. But you also get... Now, I didn't clock this at the time. Now I'm looking at a screenshot of the room where she has the table saw or whatever. And it it really, it looks terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it is a weird pyramid. Interesting. So, wait, hang on. Does the Rani return? I don't know. I was sort of imagining this might be it. I think I just saw another Rani TARDIS that we haven't seen yet. No, this is it. Two serials. This is it? Back yep. and have it. Okay. Um, well, that blows. Apart from there's a there's a children in need special from '93 as well. Oh no! Possibly Dimensions in time. Yeah. Yeah, that's the one I've mentioned before. That's that was Rory's the Rawmeister's first encounter with Doctor Who. Oh wow! Yeah, it's terrible. I can imagine it is. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. So we did have a little pin, okay. unless you've got something oh, yeah. else to. No, go no. To. Remind me of this pin. What was the pin? It was basically we got a new intro and and new outro. Oh, yes. As well. Yeah, how do you feel about um, it? I do not like it. <laughs> oh, tell all. Well, so the intro, the TARDIS is in a bubble. Yep. Why? What? Um, <laughs> the logo is, oh my god, what the fuck happened? Someone's nephew designed that. I the love mu- the logo. <laughs> music I wasn't sure about either. But it might, this might know. all grow on me. I'm not sure. The only thing I kind of liked was Sylvester McCoy all silvered up. He, I think he looked quite cool. <laughs> yeah, spray-painted hair and winking. Yeah, that's pretty good. Interesting. I really like the music. I think the music's really cool, and I love the logo. I sp- particularly love how Doctor gets written on there afterwards, after the WHO get <laughs> flung through space and time and we whiz around and we see the word forming like oh my god i didn't know what you were spelling with those letters (laughs) so good is it dr how oh no it's dr who (laughs) yay dr who oh (laughs) unlicensed spin-off the only thing about the intro that i didn't like was that much of the cgi is so poor really really poor and it it shows, especially after that magnificent display of CGI that we got in Trial of a Time Lord, where we got to see 
no, you can absolutely. BBC in this era, you know how to animate movements through space and looking at 3D stars. You know how to do it, but this looks so cheap and really low resolution. Wait, which bit was CGI'd in the very beginning? When the TARDIS is flying through space, it's a combination of a miniature shot and CGI, where the TARDIS is flying through space. And we get to pan around this space station where the trial takes place. Light opens up, it pulls in the TARDIS. It looks utterly spectacular. It's the opening shot of a mysterious planet, or the mysterious yeah. planet, sorry. I do I do remember it. I think I remember it more as being a model shot, but I guess the TARDIS is CGI'd over the top. Is that is that what you're saying? I would think so, yeah. And certainly the light was... that opens, right, the light yeah. that opens up and the TARDIS sinks down into it, is sort of tractor-beamed into this station. So even if the TARDIS is a prop, even if that's a miniature as well, they've figured out how to realistically pan around a 3D light. And here, every bit of 3D that flies around looks like it's a cheaper version of, you know... Yeah. You, you remember, like, 1990s movies where they would have really cheap CGI, like lawnmower man or something like that this is that but it's more pixelated (laughs) i love how lawnmower man is your reference there because i'm pretty sure that was incredibly expensive and looked incredible oh sure it was (laughs) (laughs) you're right but it looks so now which i is something i think i need to keep in mind i think i have to channel the child jim who grew up with all this stuff and was fucking blown away by it Every every new film, every t- TV show, it was like, oh my god, we can do this now? Holy shit. <laughs> but we are, like, adult Jim is like, no, this is the painful period of CGI where everyone wanted to use it, even though it was not the best tool in the box for most things. They should have yeah, still be exactly. doing practical effects. And it doesn't. we don't lose that until, I don't know, the mid, <laughs> mid-2000s where it suddenly gets good enough that you can use it for everything. <laughs> yeah, that's right. No, you're, you're totally right. It's an odd thing because no one who is producing it and putting it out there in front of a public thinks that it looks the part. So everyone's putting crap CGI out there knowing that it's okay. Our audience is just going to have to use their imagination. It's not a matter of we'll show them space. It's just we'll show them something that's a representation of space. And then the audience will fill in the blanks. Like, yeah. like. we'll see we'll see if this grows on me i wasn't a fan of the outro either what was it weird yellow on blue text as like people's job title or something and then insanely with large again text. pixelated possibly meteorites or meteors oh, God. flying around yes which have a sound effect every time they whoosh past oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> no make it stop <laughs> yeah if it weren't for that i'd be completely on board I'm trying to remember what the opening credits of the Doctor Who movie, the Paul McGann movie, are like. I think the music is more reminiscent of this theme than of the last theme. There's that middle bit. I couldn't possibly hum it now, but there's that middle bit that has... It has a completely different melody to the prior theme. Maybe I'll find it. I'll stick it in here. But I'm also almost certain that we get to see the TARDIS inside a bubble, like that it's in that in a sphere, and we get to just in the movie zoom around it. You, yeah. I, keep that. I think why so. why is it in a bubble? I don't understand. 
It's just cool, man. Bubbles it's cool. cool. Okay. Is it meant to be like we get it in New Who? I don't know if it's ever a thing in classic that the there is this kind of shield around the TARDIS. Like every time they step out into space, like they oh, open yeah, the doors yeah. in space and it's fine. Maybe that's what it is. That's exactly what it is. Maybe that yeah, maybe this is them con- conceptualizing it for the first time in classic. There you go. Easy. <laughs> I don't know what your beef is. That makes perfect sense. Uh, okay, fine. Sold. Whatever. TARDIS comes with a bubble. <laughs> okay. So, I've got a question for you. Okay. Who has put Icona Matata in charge and allowed him to <laughs> doom his entire species at the end of, of this serial? You're going to have to be more specific than that. What? How? What does he do? <laughs> so... Uh, <laughs> At the end, Doc shows up and goes, here's that antidote for the killer insects that we now know are all over the place. Oh, right, yeah. And Akona Matata just goes, I'm going to pour that out, thank you very much. We don't need no antidotes. <laughs> Wait, what, the actual tits? Like, who put you in charge, man? How... Why is no one saying, I mean, wait, 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 Akona Matata, just like, hold your horses, buddy. Can I have defense. a sip of that first? <laughs> In his defense, the Benedict Cumberbatch's mum does back him up. And they're like, no, we don't take no help from nobody. We do all our hard things ourselves. No, yeah, fuck yeah. off. We're going to want to do our own research. We don't want your vaccine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't understand why this is the ending for these us seeing this species of David yeah. Bowie's. Like We've been what? really on board with the Bowie's all along. And then we find out they're anti-vaxxers. Fuck this cereal. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also, you're joking about the anti-vaxxing thing, but maybe that's what the point was meant to be. I don't know. But they don't say that. They say something along the lines of, you know, we need to go through the trials ourselves or something. We need to overcome this ourselves. You didn't overcome being repressed by the Rani yourselves, you fuckers. You know, you need exactly. a doctor to help you then. Are you going to, did you refuse that help? No, you didn't. Why are you pouring no, this you shit on the ground? You should just bloody take it and not die. <laughs> That's a really good point. Why halfway through part two did Icona Matata not look at Doc and go, excuse me, I don't need your help. <laughs> and yes. then step on a mine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think you'll find we know what we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. More I was going to say more things I liked, but that was not a thing I liked. But here's a thing I liked. Einstein. Loved Einstein. I was literally about to move on to that as well, because this was like nice. <laughs> worst like goodbye of this species ever. Also, worst Einstein lookalike ever, question mark. <laughs> I mean, just shows has up. Anyone really ever seen a photo it. of Einstein? What? <laughs> You can't just put a big wig on someone and say he's Einstein. He's also wearing a cardigan. I feel like it's a pretty good impression. I love that when he's later on, when they're all in the TARDIS. And I do wonder who all the other ones are. I don't remember, but Einstein is there anyway. I love that Einstein is looking at the console. Doc walks up to him. Sly walks up to him and just goes, I'll tell you how it works later. It's all a relative. It's very nice. (laughs) I do have an, an Einstein question for you. 
what are the odds that the Bowie woman, who's later on turned into skeleton, that she knows how to spell Einstein? <laughs> I can't uh, yeah. walk out of a Starbucks without a cup of mediocre coffee that is addressed to Liam, or like at best Liam with two E's and an M. And this woman, <laughs> who is from a different galaxy, doesn't know. I'm assuming that she's on some sort of translation matrix. She doesn't speak English. She doesn't speak human. Is just told, yeah, this person's name is Einstein. She goes, yeah. E I <laughs> Oh <laughs> This is not really a thing in Classic Who and it's hand waved the hell of the time in New Who. But yeah, you're right. Presumably the Rani is speaking to her in Gallifreyan, the Dragon Lady yeah. is speaking to the Rani in Dragon Language, and yeah. Einstein <laughs> is a human name. What are they saying? Is is the Rani saying Einstein? Is the Rani saying Einstein. the Gallifreyan equivalent of Einstein? And it's getting translated to us. Because oh, maybe we, I don't. And then is Dragon Lady writing her language equivalent of Einstein? Oh, this is a good point. Yeah. Does she hear yeah, a different yeah, no, name? You, you make a very good argument. So. Or, I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea how this works. No one could be asked to explain it because it'd be too bloody insane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am glad that they've got an Einstein, though. An Einstein. I'm glad that they've got <laughs> Einstein. <laughs> no, let's. It's bad. He's an Einstein. An is like having a Dracula, you know? <laughs> <laughs> there are lots of Draculas in this one, and also a lot of Einsteins. So, because in Mark of the Rani, she also has... Sorry, the Rani also has a plot where she's siphoning brain juice. It must be brain juice that she's siphoning for this planet, for this plot. Oh, but she's right. just siphoning brain juice from regular people. Yeah. At the same time as there are a bunch of inventors and very intelligent people in this little community. I can't remember who was there, actually. But she doesn't go for their brain juice. And in our review, we were like, you need to go and find geniuses and siphon their brains. Don't siphon some dude who lives in a shed next door. Find <laughs> the local Einstein. Siphon their brain. So it seems like Pip and Jane Baker listened to our review. So I'm very glad about that. Well, they listened to it via their TARDIS, obviously. Yeah. Yes. Good. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Glad we could help. <laughs> I have other random things. I don't I don't know. It, it, it bothered me slightly. So we know we're in the era of no sonic screwdriver, but yeah. then Doc whips out a Swiss Army knife. Oh, yeah. Come on. Like, the sonic screwdriver is the Swiss Army knife of Time Lords. I like that though. You do? Isn't it good? Uh, yeah. Maybe, maybe. I don't know. It just it feels like a bit of a slap in the face. It's like, oh, all you people want a sonic screwdriver. Fuck you. Now he's got a Swiss Army knife. <laughs> oh, that's you're so right. That's probably exactly <laughs> what it is. If at some point he starts waving his Swiss Army knife around, taking readings of a room, then I will not be amused. <laughs> okay, I've got a thing for you. It's okay. it's not Cora Cora do's and Cora don'ts. It's bomb disposal do's and bombs disposal don'ts. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> bomb disposal do's and bomb disposal don'ts. Yeah, that's the one. So do you, when you are trying to defuse the exploding bangle that is wrapped around the ankle of David Bowie, have one person do that dangerous job while everyone stays away at a safe distance just in case something goes wrong? Or do you take the more sensible approach of everyone crowding around as close as possible 
just just so that they all die together if, if there is a mistake. Definitely the latter, because you don't want to miss this. This is a once-in-a-lifetime, possibly literally, experience, <laughs> and yeah, you do not want to miss it. <laughs> Incorrect. You have just been exploded by the shaky arms oh. of Mel, whatever her name is. <laughs> so close. Mel, what is her name? Mel, Mel B. What is her name? I wanted to say Bush. Is that right? But isn't it? Isn't it Melanie, Melanie Bush? I'm going to the Vindex. You... Melanie Bush? Yes. Melanie right. Bush. <laughs> That's right. I remembered a segue from earlier. I can't remember what we were saying about the Einstein character, but there was obviously oh, yeah. something about that made me think of all I'm going to call mis misquote docisms that are littered through this serial. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. And he only noted a few of them down. There are there are loads of them. Yeah. Yeah. So the ones I wrote down, did you write down some as well? We could maybe ping pong them or I can just read out the ones Uh, I've got. Yeah, I've written a few down. I just need to find them. Well, I'll read out the first one I had was a bad workman always blames his fools. I actually quite like that one. (laughs) That's very good. Yeah. Absence makes the nose grow longer. Yeah. I like that one. The proof of the pumpkins in the squeezing. (laughs) I didn't didn't even really get that one, but it's still quite nice. Every dogma has its day. Oh, nice. Uh, I didn't note that one down. Uh, That's really good, I think. Next one I had was all good things come to a bend. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. Very good. A bird in the hand keeps the doctor away. Yeah. That was the last one I had, actually. Okay. I've also got fit as a trombone and blessed are the pie makers. Nice. Just to have a, a biblical quote there as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I quite like that. It, it was a nice little discombobulation thing to run through the entire serial. Yeah, agreed. And, I think he yeah. continues with this, by the way. Oh, you think it's just a seventh Doctor trait? I think so. I might be mistaken, but I've never seen any Slime McCoy stuff, so I may very well be mistaken. Interesting. We will have to look out for it. Yeah. Yes. Maybe this is his equivalent of... A cat brooch. Yes, which got a reference in this as well. Did uh, it? Mel, Mel said something like, you, you know, you used to be, or your last incarnation was obsessed with cats. Don't you know what curiosity did to them or something like that? Oh, yes, you're right. Yeah. I forgot about that. Or rather, I didn't. it didn't really dawn on me that that was a reference to the brooch. That's very nice. Yeah, well you know spotted. What, there, there are some nice things in here. I might have to, I wrote yeah. down a very low number before we started talking about it. Oh, oh no. <laughs> I might have to adjust that. <laughs> okay, shall I segue to one final point from my side? Sure. The Rani and Doc. I think maybe this was cor- this was also mentioned in Mark of the Rani, but were they uni buddies? Did they go to university together? And, sub-question, do we find out here, or do we find out in Mark of the Rani, or do we never find out, but is it alluded to, that Doc did something terrible to her? A university. Oh, I don't know about that last thing. I'm pretty sure the university thing came up in this. And now yeah, I think, think so. about it, it must have come up in the last one as well. I'm not quite sure about that though. Yeah, the Rani, I've looked in the transcript, talks about university days. Oh, university days. Yeah, I've just found it as well. Got the impression that she held a grudge against him for something that he did at university. When I say something terrible, I mean he copied her homework or, you know, something like that. <laughs> Or, or he blamed her for whatever. He cheated on a test and blamed her. And now she's going to destroy all these medals destroy his favorite exactly. species. <laughs> oh, yeah, know. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tip for tat. Yeah. yeah, swings and roundabouts. It's all balanced. Anyway, that's all I got. In that case, I guess, should we try and rate this? Right, let's do that. <laughs> 
And now it is time to rate this. Did we laugh or hate this? Bing bong, bing bong, hey la 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 la. Ratings. Well, here we are at the R minis section of this podcast episode. Leon very, very competently beat me at the fingertip on tip of nose game. Just the tip, though. Just the tip, yes. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, it was like I wasn't even playing the game. That's how good it was. So, yes, I am going to go into what I thought. And mm. I, for some reason, got a different format for this one. So let's see how it works. Loved the Batman costumes, but I hated how undeveloped they were as a species. Missed opportunities all over the shop with their <laughs> subjugation, their, I don't know, almost lieutenant-like status for at least one of them and all of it, all of this kind of stuff. But at the same time, they're being treated like dogs. That They're a sentient species that can fire weapons. Very weird. I love that the David Bowies run with their arms trailing behind them. I know we kept joking about it, but I actually kind of loved it. But also, I hated how undeveloped they were as a species. They again are being repressed. They are having to go along with things, otherwise they're at risk of being killed. And it's meant to be a big thing. It's meant to be complicated. It's meant to be heartfelt. It's meant to be dramatic. And it just wasn't most of the time. It was just confusing or underdeveloped or just underdelivered. So, yeah, bad. I loved the Seventh Doctor's misquotes, but I hated his spoon playing. I loved oh, that Doc yeah. saved the day by being annoyingly chatty, but I hated his pratfalls during his discombobulation. That's where the love hate relationship stops, and now it just comes into hate. I hate it, the music and the poor placement thereof. <laughs> yep. It was, yeah, terrible. Took me out of the serial multiple occasions to the point where I was writing notes, just like, what the fuck is this? The music is just horrible. And on a similar note, I hated Mel screaming. There was so many of it. It was, I don't know. Just why did no one say, that's too much, just the first time she screamed and say, no, can we dial this down a bit? And then maybe, let's not do that again. No, it was just constant and terrible. I also, right now, hate the new intro. I am expecting that to change. I am expecting it to grow on me, but right now, not a fan. Big, big hate, though, for the stupid convoluted plot. Leon, you are absolutely right. You can just use your TARDIS, Rani. <laughs> you don't yeah. have to do all this. <laughs> it's stupid. And yeah, the final summing up was I really didn't enjoy watching this serial. I was left confused a lot of times. I was left just laughing at the sheer audacity and stupidity that I was watching. But I strangely enjoyed reviewing it. Not strangely at all, actually. I've been chatting with my friend Leon and we've had a whale of a time. So, but I think it made me reflect on things in a slightly different light is what I'm getting at. I actually originally wrote down a 0 0.9. I have oh bumped God, it up slightly. <laughs> Yeah. Wow. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I bumped it up slightly. My final <laughs> one is going to be a 1.2. <laughs> okay, right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 2. Amazing. Okay. Wow. Right. Y yikes, caramba. A solid mini. Well, I want to start by saying that having podcasted with him for so many years, I was thrilled to learn that Drew was starring in this serial. I was expecting <laughs> a little bit more from, from him, though. I'm not sure I'm all that taken by his rolling R's and the ridiculously theatrical performance. I can't really do it. But perhaps he will grow on me. And I think it's quite appropriate that... His last words, I think his last words in this serial are, um, maybe I'll grow on you. you know, something to that effect as they're entering the TARDIS. Mm. Is, yeah, I hope that's a prediction. He plays the spoon, which is so much more annoying than the recorder. But then again, he does mix his proverbs 
and I was thoroughly amused by that. I also rather, we didn't talk about this, I rather enjoyed his outfit trial at the start. He dresses up as Napoleon or maybe a Napoleonic officer, a soldier, an academic. Then he wears the fourth Doctor outfit, a third Doctor outfit, a fifth Doctor outfit, and I think he ends on Troughton's coats, which is quite nice. Um, Yeah, nice. mm. Companions? Well, Mel, she's just pants in this. She couldn't be more of a damsel in distress. She makes Susan look like she had agency, and it's a real bummer because she started off perhaps with a little bit more potential. There was something slightly more interesting about her. So I'm hoping that this is just a blip and that she will return to being a good companion, solid companion material. But if this is all that we get, then yeah, sorry, I'm not on board. The foe, well, all right, the Rani. I remember the Rani being much better than this, to be honest. So in that sense, I'm afraid she's a bit of a letdown, posing as Mel, for instance. And and not just for a bit, for an episode and a bit. The bats are great, though. Completely agree with everything you said about the bats. And the brain made me think of that Ood episode with the giant brain. So just as a concept, have a gigantic brain. It's just out in the open. It's not even in a jar. Great. Love it. (laughs) Production value is off the chart. The costumes are amazing. Set design is spectacular. The set extensions we talked about are, are, are great. Props, except maybe for that brain suction helmet that Doc wears. They're all terrific. In fact, I take it back. Who am I kidding? That helmet is great. The spinning glow ball of doom is top to bottom, wall to wall, epic. And then unfortunately, it does dip a little bit. So although at the end, the music was immensely badass, it was mostly misplaced throughout. And that kind of is how I feel about very much about this episode. It's just a bunch of misplaced reactions. The the acting is misplaced. It belongs on stage most of the time or in a kid's show. Greatest asset, set design and potential. Biggest flaw, where is that gorgeous TARDIS? I want to see that, please. Actually, wait, I take that back. Biggest flaw, where is Colin Baker? That's the biggest flaw. Oh. Um, main takeaway, oh, wait, hang on. I feel like there's a whole other character we haven't even really talked about or haven't even really mentioned here. The um, David Bowie's. The David Bowie's. Liberace's anthropomorphized ferret. What do you call fabric that is placed on a roof? What, do you, what, what, what would you call that? What would that be? What kind of fabric do you put on a roof? Tarpaulin? Yeah. Top do you think the carpet matches yeah. the tarpaulin? Anyway, I love them. I thought they were great. <laughs> but this does factor in. There's so much potential. We don't explore this society. I would like to learn more. My main takeaway for, for all of these reasons is effectively... You know how there are, every now and then you see a Star Trek fan film that stars that one guy who played a senator in that one episode of Star Trek TNG, and here he is reprising his role as that one senator you never knew, but it's all just to substantiate that it's sort of in-universe. That's how I feel about this. I'm not sure I'm entirely on board. And for that reason, I have given this, hope it all gets better, I've given it a 1.8. 1.8. Oh, lovely stuff, Mr. Leon. Good little mini there. Yeah. I kind of talked to myself down, actually, because I started on a 2.0. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> As in, during my mini, I talked myself down. No, 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 that's way too much shit. That's it's not worth when you end on this is basically like a fan episode of Doctor Who. Yeah, yeah, that's that's really mean. That is mean. It doesn't feel like that at all because the production value is great. But it, it, yeah, it just doesn't... It's just kind of shit is the problem. Yeah. I think your point about it feeling like it's made for kids is interesting, actually. That might fit with how a lot of the acting felt. It's how Mel felt on occasions. It's how the Doctor felt on occasions. It should have aired at Sunday morning. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're right. 
You know that scene where Doc escapes by pointing in the other direction and then sort of wrapping a scarf around the Rani, oh, and God, the Rani yeah. can't escape the scarf. Like it's just a he hasn't even tied it in a knot, to be clear. Like it's just a no, scarf no. around her arms. And she's like, I don't it's know what a, to do. Here's a cuddle via my scarf. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That that should be able to factor into an episode where giant vampire bat monsters can kidnap people or you can just detonate people or there are flies that kill you is weird there's no balance yeah. there yeah well okay we have talked a lot about this shall yep. we find out some other points of view Let's see what pocket land has got to say it's the gentlemanly thing to do well of course <laughs> <laughs> Now let's hear from Podcast Land. Max 250, or it would get out of hand. Oi, oi, you lucky people. You've made it once again to another section of this podcast episode. And this one is that thing that we like to call listener minis. That's right. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> Step inside and make yourselves comfortable. <laughs> but not too comfortable. This is no leisure center. <laughs> what is it? Center of leisure? I forgot what it was called. <laughs> Are you saying that you don't have an orgy pit at yours? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Jim Cakes, who's first? First up, we have got, well, it's very timely. It's Mr. Michael Ridgway. 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 <laughs> Hello, Michael. Hello there, Michael. Michael starts like this. Mm-hmm. And so, at long last, we arrive. To the greatest period in Who history. The seventh Doctor's era is so... Wait, I'm sorry. Yes, I'm sorry. (laughs) The seventh Seventh Doctor era is so momentous and is such a different league that it's debatable whether the previous 23 seasons are even canon. (laughs) (laughs) Is this the best Doctor Who story to date? Questions, Michael? Don't be daft. Of course not. There's still 14 seven sorry. There's still 14 seven doctor episodes to come. <laughs> but his opening story is a magnificent whopper. It's got everything. An A-class villain, bat people with laser guns, a giant brain, Albert Einstein, awesome death traps, some odd Logan's Run pleasure thing, and killer space bees. Nice, nice Logan's Run reference there, I like it. What? Michael Ridgway continues. Colin Baker refuses to come back for the regeneration? Fuck him. It, <laughs> these are Michael Ridgway's <laughs> opinions, not the opinions of who back when. <laughs> Stick a wig on McCoy, and that new opening is orgasmic. Plus, when else have we seen a villain disguise themselves as a companion? When else have we seen the Doctor play the spoons on said villain's breasts? <laughs> My only beef is that it's all too good. They've set the bar too high. Or have they? Nope. Hold on to your tights because this is going to get amazing, all caps. <laughs> <laughs> and after Michael has had to wipe himself down, he gives this five out of five dumb locations stung to death, blown up or trapped in a giant hamster ball, then blown up. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, I would expect nothing less. (laughs) I'm also expecting every single Seventh Doctor serial to get five out of five from Michael, because apparently they only get better. (laughs) (laughs) 
Amazing. Thank you very much, Michael. Michael. People who are not Michael, please do find Michael online and tell him exactly how reasonable his rating was. He can be found at bad underscore movie underscore club. Indeed. Thank you, very much, Thank you Michael. So big. <laughs> Who's next? Why, next up we've got Chris Dapp's Paddock. What up, Chris Dapp's? <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Hello. Chris Dapps says, finally, the Doctor. I'm going to make the very bold claim that Sylvester McCoy is the first Doctor of the New Who era. Oh, very interesting. Unfortunately, he's not quite there yet. That has to wait until season 26. Oh, something that makes me think of scene 24 from The Holy Grail. Anyway. Christophs continues, this serial is probably one of the most vapid in the history of Who and barely earns 1.5 stars. One star of which is entirely down to McCoy finally arriving. Wowzers. <laughs> yeah, wowzers, wowzers in my trousers. Excellent mini Christophs. <laughs> Concise. <laughs> yes. Very good. Excellent. Thank you. Thank anyway, Christophs. Nice bouncing yes, review next. there. Yeah. Next up. It's none other than Tracy from America. America. Hello, Tracy. Hello, Tracy. Tracy starts, oh good, finally I can return to the classic channel to talk about a doctor I like. We already met champion screamer Mel, earning her title several times over in this serial. But who's this new doctor? Before even he can figure that out, the Rani kidnaps him and fucks up his mind. He subsequently spends a lot of the serial being confused and being the doctor of quirky, idiomatic blunders. Mm. Tracy continues, I'm really struck by the scene in which he and Mel check each other's pulse. There's a note of vulnerability that puts one immediately on the doctor's side in that moment. I like what it's bringing into the character. Mm. I agree, Tracy. The rest of the story work is fantastically sci-fi. The way the Lacertians move, the outfits, the hair, and the giant brain composed from geniuses, all being quite interesting elements. And this music. I like it, but it's a bit much. One second it's giving me life, the next it's wearing out its welcome. Indeed. That's right. And Tracy gives this a rating of, wow, point, what's next? Exactly, <laughs> yes. Fully agree with that rating. How could you not? Yeah. <laughs> Solid rating. Thank you very much. People who are not Tracy can say hello to Tracy online. She can be found at... Yep. 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 That's Fountain Tracy. Backwards. Almost. Almost. <laughs> Thanks, Tracy. Who's next? Thank you, Tracy. Next up, it's Once Upon a Lawrence. No, it's Lawrence <laughs> oh, Upton. Right. Once Upon a Lawrence. <laughs> Lawrence in the Philippines. Hello, Lawrence. <laughs> Hello, Lawrence. <laughs> Lawrence says, This is my second ever review and my last. It covers all episodes of Doctor Who, classic and new, past, present, and future. Right. All episodes before Mind Warp. Where's Brian Blessed? Mind Warp? It's got Brian Blessed. All episodes after Mind Warp. When's Brian Blessed coming back? Special Time and the Rani Review. It's got Kato Mara. She's wonderful and beautiful and lovely and Kato Mara, even when she's pretending to be Bonnie Langford. That's it. There we go. That's it. That's it. Okay. Thank you very much, Lawrence. Thank you, Lawrence. <laughs> it was it was nice having you. Feel free to come back anytime. Yes. Always <laughs> welcome. We can't guarantee more Brian Blessed or Kato Mara, unfortunately. But that's yes. true. <laughs> 
<laughs> Thank you, Lawrence. Thank you very much. And we've got one more, one more mini, because, well, you'll see why podcast lands. Who's this? Jim Cakes. Why, it's none other than Neil. Hello, Neil. Hello, Neil. I can read this in its full. Don't even have to swap to Leon Midway, because it is just no. Just no. Short but sweet, Neil. I like it. Yeah. I mean, he does give it a rating as well. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I can I can hand that over to you. Give, give us the rating. Uh, oh, okay. Oh, I guess, I guess we are splitting this down the middle. <laughs> Just like this hair I'm holding. <laughs> Neil has given this a rating of 1.1. Thank you very much, Neil. People who are not Neil, please do say hello to Neil online. He can be found at Neil Androzani and... Neil Jam E. Sactor. <laughs> On Twitter and Insta, respectively. Thank you very much, Neil. Exactly. Thank right, you, Neil. henceforth, we're doing the old snip snippet rooney and cheesecakes. Obviously, head on over to whobackone.com and read all of these minis in their full splendor. Who's next? Let's blast through these, because we've got tons. Yeah. Boom, boom, boom. We've got Andy Parkinson. Hello there, what up, Andy? Andy. Andy says, As Sylvester's first story, it's not bad, and at least he isn't strangling his companion. Andy gives this 2.6 giant space brains out of 5. Nice. Nice, nice, nice. nice. And it can be found online after you've read his full mini on the website at Caffrey's 71. That's 71 Caffrey's. Who's next? Next up, we've got Ed Corbet. It's Ed Corbet or Ed Corbett. It's one of those. That's right, it's Ed. Hello, Ed. Hello, Ed. I miss singing that song, actually. (laughs) Glad to have you back, Ed. (laughs) Ed says, snip, snippity, snip, 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 and then adds a slow-moving story that dragged badly enough that I was glad it was nearly over before I realized it was only coming to the end of episode two. And Ed gives this 1.5. I agree, Ed. Share the sentiment. Well done. Thank you very much. Who's next? Next up, we've got G.P. Haynes. G.P. I say G. You say P. G. P. G. P. Yeah, that's right. Hey, G.P. (laughs) Hey, G.P. (laughs) (laughs) I've missed doing that as well. (laughs) (laughs) So apparently this episode gets a bad rap. Well, it wasn't brilliant, but it's solidly above average for me. And GP gives this 3.1 cool 80s computer screens. Nice. Nice. Yeah, actually, to be fair, that is a pretty cool screen. Yeah, GP. People who are not GP should find GP on Insta and YouTube. I'm checking out his stuff on YouTube, in fact. He can be found at Finding G Spots. Boop, boop. <laughs> it just sounded Thanks, like you it needed a, an outro to that a bit. Yeah. That's it, not it, part it, of the right. handle. No, but you're absolutely right. It yeah. needed something to just, like a little yeah. boop. <laughs> Who's next? Next up, we've got Mr. Kieran Evans. What up, Kieran? Hello there, Kieran. Kieran gives this rating of 3.6 out of 5 giant talking brains of knowledge. Solid rating from a solid dude. People who are not Kieran, I know most of you are really concerned about the environment. You know what to do. Switch from your gas-guzzling, petrol-driven vehicle to an electric one and get yourself something that can transport boxes. Head on over to KJ Evans 2. That's right. For all your Evan needs. (laughs) Thanks, Kieran. Thank you, Kieran. Who's next? It's the Zoonmeister himself. Peter Zunich. What up, Peter? Peter Peter. (laughs) (laughs) 
Peter says, with a rating, it's 3.1 times I needlessly emphasize the complex name of an irrelevant sludgy plot device. Thank you, Peter. People are like giving this solidly way more than we did. This is crazy bananas. What did they watch? Yeah, no, awesome. Thank you you very much. Thank you very much, Peter. I think this might be something that stays in our heads differently to how it felt to watch it in the same way as some other series we always think oh we were a bit harsh on that this might be one of those we'll see yeah we'll see yeah well yeah exactly let's let's bear this in mind and see if if yeah let's see how we feel going forward who's next who's antipenultimate It's Richie! Richie's six in turn. Richie says, overall, it's the start of the last hurrah, and for that, I salute it. And he gives this 2.9 out of 5 death chandeliers. <laughs> nice. No disco nice, yeah, balls in Richie's house, just chandeliers. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, good stuff. Thank you. People who are not Richie, please comment on his chandeliers. That's what? Jim Cakes? Why, of course, it's Richie Sexington. Very erotic. Thanks, Richie. Who's penultimate? Stephen from from Canada. Canada. (laughs) Hello, Stephen. (laughs) Hello, Stephen. Stephen says... I love that we both sort of braced ourselves to try to sync it up. I'm sorry, I'm talking of you. I'm so sorry. But there's a massive delay. (laughs) And if that did not come across in our rendition of Stephen from Canada, the song, then... (laughs) Very sorry. Anyway, I loved it. (laughs) Stephen from Canada, the song. (laughs) (laughs) I just like that that is a concept. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Oh, well. Stephen says, Sylvester McCoy makes an excellent impression. He is very entertaining, and I'm excited to see where he takes the role. Overall, this story earns 2.5 somewhat unenthusiastic Halloween skeletons out of 5. Nice. Good stuff. Yeah. Thank you very much, Stephen. People who are not Stephen can follow Stephen online. He can be found at what, Jim Cakes? At S. Andreachen. Thank you very much, Stephen. Thank you, Steve. Who's last? Last up, we've got Tan Six Fingers. Pow, 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 pow. <laughs> I think there were six of them. <laughs> Hello, Tans. <laughs> Hello, Tans. And Tans says, snip, snip, snipperoonian cheesecakes and ads at the end. Not too bad for the first installment of a new doctor, but not the best either. And he gives this 3.5 spheres of annihilation out of five. Nice. Nice. Not nice. Not a bad name for a heavy metal album, I fear. <laughs> Spheres of Annihilation. <laughs> I love it. People who are not Tan's Six Fingers can follow Tan's Six Fingers in two different ways. He can be found at Tan's Six Fingers and... Tan's Six Fingers. That's right. Thank you, Tan's Six Fingers. Thank you, Tan's. <laughs> Those were our 13 minis this week. Holy smokes. Wowzers. Holy smokes. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Great stuff. Well, holy moly, that basically wraps it up for this podcast yeah. episode where we talked yeah. about Time and the Rani. It's been a blast, oh my God. dude. It has been a blast. We've been talking and talking and then some. Oh, yeah. But we will be talking some more. It doesn't just stop yeah. now. Even though this episode is wrapping up, we will be obviously talking about more classic Who. What will we be talking about next, Mr. Leon? Next up, we're delving deeper into the seventh Doctor era with Paradise Towers. 
I'm before then I so believe we've got excited. some new stuff though. Yeah, you're excited. Oh my yeah, I'm looking for I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing how much of it rings a bell for you as you're watching it. I think pretty much zero. I think most of it might be I'm talking about the next recording we do. Most of the next recording we do might be me laughing at how I found some of this scary. That, wow. That might be oh, me. I look yeah. forward to that. That's gonna be really good. But you're right though, there will be some new who coming up before right. then. The and haunting of scary. Of Villa Diodati. That's right. Pretty scary and a very good episode, as I recall. I At recall some point, also. we're going to do an Audio Who review as well. It will be of Doctor Who Redacted. Mm, nice. Bonus land? Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, that's right. But in the meantime, Jim Cakes, how can I get in touch with you? You can, if you are so inclined, jump on the Mastodon bandwagon that fires from Central Station every now and again when Twitter has a fuck-up. And you can find me at... Jimmy at the whatnow.eu. That is one solid bit of branding. Um, you can say hi to where? me online as well. I can be found at Ponken, P O N K E N. I don't really tweet that much, but if you want to, tweet at me and I will do my very best to reply. We're going to have a conversation. Let's be friends. Jim Cakes. I mean, you basically just said, come at me, bro. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, come at me, bro. <laughs> yeah, or what gives, man? Jim Cakes, I've had a blast. Thank you for a lovely soiree. Guys, right back at you, chap. Chin, chin. Make oh, my glass chin, ring. Chin. And I'm going to twirl my annoying bits of ice. There you go. Chin chin. Well, that was us. That was Time the Rani. Stay safe out there, guys. Until my next time. See ya. Be around next to each other. Rock on and cha ciao. Kablamo! Did you enjoy the show? Then please do what the cosmos compels you to and spread the gospel of who back when. Tell your friends. But I've got no friends. No problemo. Tell some strangers. Hey. Like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash whobackwhen. All in one word. Are you into Twitter? Awesome. High five us online and we'll high five you right back. You guessed it. We're at whobackwhen. All in one word. Check us out on Instagram for behind the scenes photos and other Whovian goodness. Watch our videos or even listen to our podcast on YouTube. That's whobackwhen.com slash YouTube. Vote us up on Reddit. Listen to us on Stitcher and head on over to our website whobackwhen.com where you can submit a review of your own, browse the article archives and peruse our visual index of aliens, monsters and more, which increases in Kablamos with every episode. And lastly, give us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps our show get noticed and earns you lots of karma points. That's it. Rock on and be rad and excellent to each other. Catch your earballs in our next Who review or bonus episode. Until then, ciao. Who back when?